Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Today's show is sponsored by KO Tickets, serving fight fans since 1999. Spring schedule is heating up. KO Tickets is your hook. West Coast fans, I got the return of Chocolatito on March 5th. We got Virgil Ortiz on March 19th. East Coast fans like myself, Edgar Berlanga, headlights a stack card at the Hulu Theater also on March 19th. And of course, we got Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. KO Tickets deals direct. Call Jim Boone at 702-591-1638. That's 702-591-1638. 1638. What is up, everyone? We welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. Got a huge one planned for you today. Sugar Ray Leonard is here. An absolutely amazing interview about all his big fights, the biggest moments of his career, what he thinks about the current uh, crop of fighters today. So you don't want to miss this interview with Ray Leonard. Also want to share about my friends over at Underdog Fantasy. This is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports and win cash prizes. They have an awesome pick game going on right now where you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. I like money. Ray Leonard likes money. All you got to do is correctly pick between two and five player stats, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. I like cash. They also like boxing over at Underdog. They have boxing lines. They have UFC games, NFL, NBA, soccer, esports, so much to choose from. You want to use code BOX, B-O-X, and if you do that, you get a free deposit match up to $100 when you sign up and make your first deposit. That's code B-O-X, my friends, at Underdog Fantasy. And now, let's get to Sugar Ray Leonard. It is time to bring in our guest this week here on Inside Boxing Live. You know the name. You know the face. He is Sugar Ray Leonard. This is a thrill for me, Ray. And, uh, you know, you and my father go back many years. And uh, I've been following, of course, your your career and your life. And and it's awesome to have you here. Uh, Thank you so much. And how's everything going? You know, Dan, good seeing you, man. And good talking to you. Uh, Oh, your father and I go way back. (laughs) Way back. Okay. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, big guy. Yeah, that's cool. I, I found some photos of, of the two of you guys, uh, you know, in Vegas. You guys were wearing neon tank tops, had the sunglasses hanging off the neck. Real 80s look. I, I love that. I got to see that. I got to see that. Is it a photo or is it video? A uh, photo. This is before cell phone, you know, cameras, which is probably a good thing for, for all you guys back in the 80s. But, you know, nice photos. You know, they were in his office and, you know, hearing the stories through the years, uh, secondhand of, you know, those marvelous fights uh, that we're going to get into in this interview. But uh, I've been doing this thing, Ray, uh, interviewing the legends. You know, I had Roy Jones on, I had Bernard Hopkins. Uh, you know, now I have you here. And I always like to ask uh, our legends is what are they up to these days? You know, obviously you're not training or you are. I see you on Instagram still hitting the mitts. But like, what's a day in the life for, for Ray Leonard these days? It's, you know, like you said, I, I work out, man, and it's stimulating. It's, it's really, because of what's been going on with this, I just want to say society, but world, right? Uh, from the pandemic, this to that, I mean, it's, it's been crazy. But you know what? It's like a fight. 
it really is. You just got to be in shape, be ready for it, and stay on top. I see you. I see you golfing. You golf a lot. I saw on your Instagram you were golfing with Jalen Rose. What's your golf game like? Are you just as competitive as you were in the ring as you are on the course? That's. I think that may be the call prick of my not scoring prop. You know, scoring big time. Um, I love golf. It it really is. But the thing about it though, because you know, in boxing, you know, the the opponent moves, so you got yeah. <laughs> that golf ball just sits right there waiting for you to hit it. Yeah. And, and we miss it sometimes. <laughs> so did you take Jalen Rose's money? I mean, or did, did he get the best of you? I would, uh, you know, he got the best of me. <laughs> That's all right. I, I'm pretty bad myself, but I, I go out and it's fun. That's the best part. But let's let's get into it, Ray. We're going to, um, you know, talk about your your fabulous career. Uh, go down memory lane a little bit as much as you will be willing to, to, to talk with us. There's so much going on in today's boxing world, but it's always fun for me to uh, kind of immerse myself in the glory days and man, were they glorious. Um, we can start, I guess, with the Olympics all the way back. I wanted to find your, what I thought would be your Mount Rushmore of moments, four big moments. It's hard to get down to ju just four, but I'll start with the uh, Olympic trials. And did you, I want to ask you right off the bat, did you think that starting off with the Olympics, having so many eyeballs on you, having so much cameras and all that, uh, you know, attention, do you think that kind of like helped set you up or help make you like mature on the scene faster, which would, you know, get you in line for, for some big fights down the road? I don't know, because the fact of the matter was or is I, I was not going to go pro mm -hmm. after the Olympics. I was going to go University of Maryland, further my education, get a good job and that and life goes on. Uh, the only the only reason I turned pro was because my dad. My dad was sick, really, really sick, mm -hmm. and uh, I I turned pro to pay the bills. Yeah. And one thing, and one thing led to another. I said, you know, this is this is okay. <laughs> and plus, I had good people around me, Dan. I had, I had my trainers, James Morton, Charlie Brockman, uh, Pepe Carrera. I mean, I can go down the road, go go down. That line of all these individuals who took care of me, who watched my back, put it that mm -hmm. way, watched my back, who were in my corner. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, that, that's something I wanted to touch on too. Is this? It seemed like you were ahead of your game when it came, when it came to the finances, when it came to the business side of things. Mike Trainer uh, is super intriguing to me. Uh, you know, a lot of boxing fans these days are into the uh, business side of things. They're into the politics of it. To not align yourself with a trainer. I feel like it's so ahead of its time. And like the only guy that does that today is Canelo Alvarez. And he had to earn that. He didn't get that till he was in his thirties now where he's this, uh, you know, free, free agent, so to say, but man, that was a shrewd, shrewd move. And you, I feel like you maximized, you know, every dollar as you should have uh, with this, uh, you know, worked out deal with Mike Trainer and not having a promoter. That was pretty damn smart. Well, you know, I, I don't, take full credit for that it was <laughs> it was Jenks Morton who actually introduced me to Mike Trainer. right and this is the guy you know uh, they say you want it, because they asked me after the Olympics say what do you want do you want to become a movie star or you want to be a boxer I said I want to be a movie star I didn't you know again I didn't want to be a professional fighter because I've heard horrible stories mm -hmm. of how they've been misled taken advantage of and what have you I didn't and I didn't want that in my life uh, but, you know, again, I, I have to thank all the uh, my sponsors, investors who put money up. I mean, I look, I'm in my gym right now and there's like 30 guys who loaned me a thousand dollars. And my first professional fight, I, I made between 40 and 50,000, which at that time was unprecedented. Mm -hmm. 
and I paid them off, became a free agent, did my thing. That's nuts. That's awesome. I mean, that's what it's all about is maximizing the dollar. It's prize fighting for a reason. I think that you were, you always had that uh, mentality going into your fights is how can I maximize, you know, my, my earning potential for my family, for little Ray. And he was a big, big part of it growing up. And that's such a cool story, but being in the ring for the Olympics, I know that it has to mean a lot to you. Uh, you know, watching some of these documentaries, the King's doc, you know, when you did defeat uh, Andres Aldama, you, you did get that uh, gold medal. And, you know, it was a time where, you know, us boxing, you know, it wasn't a lot going on. This is post Muhammad Ali. It's pretty damn cool that he was there, you know, calling some of your fights while you were up, the ranks there in the, in the amateurs, but can you just take us back to that standing on that podium here in the national anthem, you know, that feeling of winning, which you, I know that you're obsessed with. That must've been like a pretty cool moment. Well, it, it goes even beyond that because winning that gold medal, Aldous Adamas, the Cuban knocked out, annihilated everybody. Mm -hmm. I remember because so vividly, um, because you can, you can watch the previous fights. And if you go into this room, clubhouse, whatever the case may be, and I was sitting in there and the lights were dark and they were showing different fights and they showed uh, all the Saddamas knocking the guy out. And then they said, well, he's gonna fight Ray Leonard next. Oh, he's gonna knock out Ray Leonard. I creeped out of that. <laughs> I, le I left that room because I know what people were thinking, mm -hmm. rightfully so, because again, this guy could, could whack. Yeah. But I, I just outboxed him. I, uh, that, was, that was one of the greatest moments, if not the greatest moment of my career. Yeah, it had to be something special. And, and, and Aldama, he went on to win the gold in, in 80. So I just showed you, I mean, you upended some of his plans and you, it was like kind of like a thing, uh, like a uh, sign of things to come. You, you know, de defying all the odds, you know, going up against guys that were maybe bigger, going up against guys that were maybe more powerful. Uh, but that was a, a heck of a moment. Howard Cosell really propping you up. Uh, you know, it's so funny. I was watching the doc uh, and Al Bernstein, I believe it was, you know, it's, it felt like Harold uh, um, Cosell kind of like latched onto you as he did to, to Ali. There's a lot of parallels between you and Ali, but sitting beside Howard Cosell, I mean, that's, that's pretty epic too. At, at that time, um, this fight had so much buildup. It had so much hype. Did Duran, I, I, I've seen some of the stories, read some of the stories. Did Duran really do some of these tricks? Did he really try to get under your, you know, your family's skin, your wife's skin, your head too? Well, that, he did. He did that. He actually, that actually <laughs> occurred. Uh, he would, you know, and I, uh, we're friends now. Mm -hmm. I like to call that. We're friends now. Good friends. Close friends. Uh, but in that, in that particular moment, that time, that fight, he got under my skin. He would, you know, curse me, curse my wife. Um, so I was, he upset me so much, so bad that I said, I'm gonna beat him at his own game. I'm gonna stand toe to toe, which was crazy. But it was already, it was already drilled, dad. It was drilled in my head that I could beat this son of a, uh, yeah. at his own game. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the, I don't know, 12th, 12th round, 13th round, because back then it was 15 rounds. You know, I realized that I was behind the judge's scorecard because he he hit me everywhere and every and everything with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was he let's certainly talk, did. Let's, let's talk about the win. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna get to that. You have to set it up. You know, I, I I do want to say though, Ray, you went twenty-seven of seventy-five in the fifteenth round. You outlanded Duran fifty-two to thirty-one over the final two rounds. Yeah, you did elect to stand and trade. It was a close fight, but 
also what I love back in, in that era was a loss didn't define a fighter like it does today. So a guy loses today, they're ready to write him off. Right. It, it's just, I really wish that went away and, and immersing myself in, in the eighties and watching, you know, reading. And I just wish it would get back to that, but we'll get to the rematch right now, right? November, 1980. We know that uh, your buddy Duran was partying, enjoying the, the fruits of his labor, blowing up in weight, very smart on your, on your part and your team's part. Uh, to enable or, uh, you know, get that contract to get that immediate rematch. I know maybe he wasn't uh, fully focused on it, but that was the fight. That was the fight where, you know, obviously the no Moss incident and the 30 for 30 was great. I'm happy that you guys are, are friends now. And I'm happy that you guys, you know, you're all friends with your adversaries. Uh, I feel like that's a great thing too, is the respect level, but let's go to the the, the rematch. What was your mindset heading in? Like your, the mindset heading in for the first fight obviously was, I'm going to beat this guy's ass because he's, you know, talking about my family. How did you feel about the second one? How did your mindset change in just eight months? I, you know, after that, after that fight, I took my wife to uh, Hawaii just to get her away. Cause she fainted at the fight. Wow. At the first fight. Yeah. And I took her there and um, people, you know, fans were saying, Hey, sugar, you, you could have won that fight, man. If you boxed them, I kept hearing this, kept hearing that. And I said, you know what? They were right. So I called Mike Train. I said, Mike, I want to fight Duran, rematch, ASAP. He said, are you on vacation? I said, yes, but I can come home. He said, Ray, enjoy your vacation. I came home the next day. Wow. And we made, we made it, it made it happen, you know. Uh, naturally, Duran being the champ um, got, more, got more money. It wasn't about that at that time. Uh, and I said, I'm going to box him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But most people thought that I still couldn't win because Durant had my had my head, had my mind. Mm -hmm. But I, I I used my hand speed. I I I did the, the bolo punches. Yeah. You know, Durant to me was like a bully at that time. And if you hit a bully back, he'll do one or two things. He'll kick your butt or he'll run away. And I thought that what took place. And in all due respect towards Durant. I didn't hear him say no moss, but he did this. What right. is it? What That's is the it? universal sign in boxing for I had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when it, when he did that, I I thought it was a trick to get me closer <laughs> to him. So I, I was already, you know. Yeah, I, you had his number that one. I mean, you had landed him two to one. You landed 60% of your, your power shots. Did you know that he was partying like in the lead up? I mean, it's not like today, like where you can just look on Twitter or you can, you know, see a picture or something from a cell phone. Did you hear any rumblings that he was not 100%? Well, I knew that. And also I heard that. Hell, I did that. I mean, I'm no different. I, I you know, after the fight, I load up. I just never gained 20 over. I never gained over like 10 pounds. Right. Most, I mean, some, a lot of fighters do get up to you know 30 pounds overweight 40 pounds over 50 pounds mm -hmm. it's i don't know how that happened well it can't happen but uh i took advantage of that i of i became i approached that fight with more psych like psychology right uh, spiritual uh making people laugh at the great roberto duran that's that's what took place yeah, it's so, it's so epic man it's like you got to have these adversaries you got to have these dance partners and you know, today there, there is, there is that today, you know, um, you know, in the heavyweight division, you need to have that other guy. And Duran was that for, for the entire decade of the seventies. And he had this invincibility. What was he? 70 and one when he headed yeah. into that first fight with you, you know, knocking everyone out, but at lightweight too, the, the jumping up weights, uh, but 
all of you guys did the four Kings it is super impressive to me because we don't see that too often these days. Maybe Canelo is maybe the, the exception, but for Duran to hop up in weight like that was impressive for you to kind of brush off that first loss of your career and then refocus and take advantage. And not only that, just, just, you know, beat him at his game, you know, he got him to legitimately quit. I mean, it's, it's a little upsetting though, hearing, you know, what happened to him afterwards, you know, uh, you know, heading back to Panama, you know, you know, he couldn't talk to anybody. You know, he went from hero to zero. He, the only way he could go outside is if he brought his pet uh, lion with him. So no one would would go after him. You know, what did you feel right after? Was it just like, wow, I'm so happy elated that I beat him? Was there any bit like, oh, you know, part of me is a little, you know, I feel a little bit upset about, you know, him and how he's going to be perceived as a quitter? You know, I felt so bad for him, uh, for his country, just people in general, or boxing fans in general, how they try to self-analyze what took place in the ring. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a weird thing. Was it bizarre? No question about that. Uh, would you ever expect Roberto Durant? No, no one. I mean, but whatever took place, took place. You know, as far as I'm concerned, he came and redeemed himself when he came back and he beat a number of other fighters and right. became champion again. Mm -hmm. uh, At middleweight, too. At middleweight, I, I really felt so bad for Roberto. And then when he fought Marvin Hagler, mm -hmm. I was ring, I was at ringside. Right. And uh, after the fight was over with, because he surprised me the way he handled himself, he said, you you fight him, you beat him. And that gave me a thought, because that's when I was contemplating coming back or right. you know, leaving the ring for good. Yeah. But Dan, I tell you, it, Roberto Duran is, if he's one of the most incredible fighters I've ever, first of all, ever met and ever faced. I mean, people go nuts when they see him still. Oh, yeah. He's got that air of invincibility. He's got that air about him. You know, when he enters a room or when he's at a fight, you know, I cover a lot of fights and, and you hear that he's in town. It's yeah. like, whoa, let's go get a glimpse of him. Let's try to get a handshake. And he's so happy too. He's just like a happy go lucky guy. He, he takes pictures with everyone. I mean, he he was that guy. And uh, man, to fight him twice at age, what were you, 21 or 22? 22. Jeez, man, that's another thing, too, that your career is just so much different than these guys today. I want to ask you this. Do you feel like that's the right way to go about it? If you have the talent, you certainly did. You have the pedigree, you certainly did. To get these big fights before you're 30. We're seeing these big fights now in boxing happen after they're 30. They wanted to marinate. They wanted to reach its highest potential. But from a fighting standpoint, obviously, you believe that to get it, get these guys young, I want to fight when I'm in my physical prime, right? Well, yeah. I mean, naturally, you want to fight. You want to be, you want to be in your prime, too. Yeah. But uh, there's so much talent out there. You know, there's so, so much talent. And I, I see guys uh, like... Mayweather. Mayweather mm -hmm. was always impressive to me back in the day. Right. And I, 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 I actually, I told him we was on a plane together, and I said, "Man, you're going to be you're the first of all, you're going to be champion, and you're going to be special." And I said that to him because I, I actually felt that presence. Uh, There's so many incredible fighters on the that boxing. Box. They say boxing. Boxing take a dip. You know, boxing is not like it yeah. used to. Be. Boxing still good. No, I 100%. I'm a big champion of that. You know, I'm the, uh, you got to deal with these, uh, you know, older media types that live through your era. So it's kind of, I understand where they're coming from at times to say, like, 
you know, it's not like it was in the eighties, but like nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And obviously we're going heavy with the nostalgia in, in this interview, but boxing is there's so much talent today. If they would just fight like these lightweights, Ray, you know, like Ryan Garcia, T. Fimo Lopez, Javante Davis, Devin Haney, they could have, they could do what you guys did. They could fight four times, you know, they could fight round Robin, you know, big a boost to, to the sport, but you know, there, it isn't as easy as it was back when there was just HBO Showtime. It was just Aram or King. There's so many more hands now. There's so many more distractions. There's so many more people saying, oh, no, I'll give you, I'll promise you this. I'll give you, you know, I'll overpay you essentially. And then, you know, we're getting, fr- we get freezed out of these fights. But who am I to say that you can't make as much money as you possibly can? The fans get upset, but, you know, a rational person will say, you know, if a promoter comes down, it's going to offer you you know, three times what you're really worth. How are you not going to take that? You know, I never got involved with uh, who I was going to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only, the only time that happened was when I came back after a five-year hiatus yeah. and saw fight Hagler. Um, but then again, the latter part of my career, when I should have retired, but maybe my I was just so hard-headed. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I because I when I feel or know I can win, I get in that ring. Yeah, yeah I, I'll get in that ring. That's awesome. That's great. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's the champion mentality. Let's go to Tommy Hearns quick. Um, I mean, you, uh, the back. No, we had to come down the back streets. Me and Tommy. Ray was on the main street, but we still arrived at the main destination. As only Manny Stewart can put it in such eloquent words. This was this the most brutal of all your fights. It, it wasn't eloquent. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Stewart, we, we, were, we were so close. We were, we were so close. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. We so close. And um, he, he, first of all, the, that fight was inevitable. Right. I mean, when I saw, I actually saw, I was in Detroit. I saw him, saw one of his fights or two of his fights. Mm-hmm. And he just, he would just knock the guys out. He was, he was a freak of nature being a, a welterweight. Uh, and I and I knew Tommy could box if he wanted to when he needed to, um, and Emmanuel still we 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 always talk about the possibilities of us fighting each other, and I said yeah just talk to my people just talk to my people, <laughs> and it happened it, it happened you know came to fruition, right, and uh, that, I mean let me tell you something Dad I that fight because I with Muhammad Ali my dear friend mm-hmm. we talked one day. He said, Ray, when I fought Joe Frazier, he was closest, it was the closest thing to death. And I looked at him like he was crazy. I'm like, closest thing to death. He said, yeah, that was the toughest, the closest thing to death. When I fought Tommy Hearns, just like when I fought Roberto Durant, just like when I fought Hacker, Benitez, it was the closest thing to death. Donnie Lalonde, the closest thing to death. I had to pull up. I had to, I call it intestinal fortitude to, to reach down deep and bring it up. We all can't activate it, but those that can wins the fight. Wow. That is something. I got chills right now thinking of Ali and and I and I didn't write that down. The closest thing to death. And and it's it's very, very powerful because not in any other sport do you have that. You know, your football maybe, but not really. Basketball. I mean, these are regular sports. That's why I always say you don't play boxing, but you know, Hearns was boxing well. I mean, he he landed so many uh, jabs in that fight, and he also followed up with, with power shots. You were probably down on the cards, and then the 14th round comes, and the most epic 
one of the most epic corner moments in the history of boxing. You're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. it. Go ahead. Dan, I swear to God, man, it's, that was the perfect soundbite coming from Angelo Dundee. I didn't, I didn't need, didn't want to hear anything else but that, although I didn't know he would say that, but he said the right thing at the right time, which activated my, my drive. That's nuts. The fact that you could just turn it on when your eye is basically shut, you're fighting, like you said, this guy that is, you know, six foot four, yeah. 147 pounds with dynamite in, in both hands. You get that stoppage. That was when I, I tweeted this last night. That's the fight that made you, right? Oh, I, I would say. I mean, the fight with Benitez, Wilfred Benitez, I mm -hmm. mean, I tell you what, I went to the hospital after the fight for dehydration, total dehydration. I actually beat that fight, beat uh, Benitez mm -hmm. with heart. And didn't give up, didn't give up and give in. But Tommy, Tommy was like, I mean, come on. It was whew, I, 23 I, years old. I mean, yeah. throw right into the fire with Tommy Hearns and, and to get a win like that. I, I just wish I was there for that. I wish like today's world could, could yeah. see that. Like what, what would Twitter erupt? Like one of the most epic uh, comeback wins, 14th round. Like there is no more 14th round. A moment like that, the Dundee moment. Your life, your career. You know this. It's like a movie, right? Yep. It's absolutely. And also, Dan, the thing about it, when I hurt somebody, rock a guy, nine times out of ten, it's over. It's going to mm. be over. Because right. I had, I had that, I had that drive, that, that, that heart, and, and that, because it was the availability. Mm -hmm. Tommy, I, I rock Tommy. Why? I put Tommy down. Whatever the case may be, I take full advantage of that. Do you oh. think there people were saying, since you have such a great smile, great looks, you know, coming up the ranks, it, and they would be shocked by your punching power, right? Well, they knew I could punch. I mean, I wasn't considered a puncher, but I was more so considered a finisher. Mm -hmm. You know, once I get someone in trouble. Right. Well, it's time to move on to... Uh, a comeback, a, a retirement, um, a lot of time for you to reflect. Um, I do want to get to the Hagler fight, but during that time off, uh, the fans know the timeline. Uh, if you don't, uh, you know, you had to retire because of a, a detached retina. Uh, yeah. the, the modern medicine isn't what it like today uh, because Errol Spence uh, is coming back from that. Uh, and that time out of the ring, um, those five years, not the greatest, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of fighters too. you know, they, they talk about this all the time, you know, time when fighters have a lot of time on their hands and they have a lot of money, <laughs> things can, things can go south. And because boxing keeps, uh, these guys in line, that was certainly the case with you, right? Your time away from the sport. Yeah, it, it really, I mean, it showed me or yeah, it showed me how much I love competing because when I was retired temporarily uh, for the partial detached retina. Mm -hmm. uh, even my ophthalmologist said, Ray, you know, uh, your, your eye, um, you can fight again. If you want to fight again, you can fight again. He said, in fact, it's going to be stronger than your other eye. And so, but I was trying to please my fans, my, my family. And when, when I did the uh, interview or 
I made the announcement, I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna quit because people say, Ray, smart, Ray, smart. And I want to be smart, right? Be considered smart. But I wasn't, I didn't think properly. I didn't think about me, what I had to deal with. I was only, what, 20, uh, 24, 25. I mean, because uh, people say, hey, man, you got, you got, you got money and you got fame. And it's not, at some point, it's not about that. It's about my legacy. It's about my, my who I am. What I want to do, I want to fight Hagler. I want to fight this guy. I want to fight that guy before I retire. And um, I got involved with drugs, man, and uh, alcohol. And, uh, I, it was, if it wasn't for my my lovely wife Bernadette, now I wouldn't be here because yeah. she she said, "Ray, you're an alcoholic." And then, because cocaine was a big thing, and um, I stopped. You know, I stopped the cocaine one day. I just Say, I don't want this anymore. But, but the alcohol almost took me out. It nearly took me out. Um, I tell you, man, I, life, life, there is a God. There is a God. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your life is a fight. You're a fight. I mean, you're 25 yeah. years old, man. I can't, people start their careers at 25. You're being told that your career has to end. But I, I, again, I understand and I thank them. I love my fans and my family members for, they care. They want me to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, but again, my ophthalmologist said, Ray, you know, if you want to come back, you can come back. He said, because technology now has improved significantly. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, you, yeah. you brought up that, that, that 1982 November when you, the event in Baltimore, I mean, it's now an infamous moment, um, an infamous night, uh, part of your career and you announced your retirement, you bring yeah. Hagler out there. Did you, uh, I don't know how to put this, but bringing out Hagler he, he took a, a certain offense to it it seemed like he was pretty upset because he wanted that fight bad he made it very very clear and I brought him there I you know kind of made him say you know I suggest you should come because I got something to say yeah uh, um, I felt bad afterwards I really did I really did because mm -hmm. I heard that it bothered him significantly because when I said well you know a fight like this because I was I was leading people in I was kind of making making the pie a lot bigger or smaller or sweeter and i said but a fight like this unfortunately it'll never happen those words are there crushed Hagler, because he felt i brought him in just to kind of i didn't do it to embarrass him and i love this man i respect this man but um i used that kind of like you know kind of laugh and stop from crying yeah that was uh a moment that really was and I, I was saying to myself it's like damn ray really has a great way of eliciting like a, a response from people like you knew exactly how to play the game at times uh you know to get people to care because you have to do that in boxing self-promotion is is everything this isn't a team sport uh you don't have a league pushing you uh you have to do it yourself and you certainly made uh waves and, and you got people to care and you made things feel bigger so in the probably in the back of your mind you were thinking maybe eventually i will fight marvin but it's not going to happen now and i'm going to make a big have a nice night in in baltimore uh but eventually you did get in there with with marvin he goes on to, to, to fight Hagler. got it right behind me that's actually from the actual fight and uh you know you said you saw something you saw something you, th you believed you can beat him and i will never forget my dad tells me these stories all the time uh, you told my dad that I'm going to fight. Uh, I'm coming back and I'm going to fight Hagler. 
And uh, I, I think my dad had like a quick pause or like maybe just saw a facial expression. And uh, and you were like, wait a second, Bob, you don't you don't think I can beat him? And my dad was just like, um, I, I didn't say that. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. But I mean, he's thinking what everyone was thinking at the time. I mean, five out of the seven ex middleweight champs picked Hagler. No one was expecting you to win. It's the fourth fight on your uh, Mount Rushmore that I made up for you, Ray. It's Marvin Hagler, April 1987 doesn't get any bigger than this. I wasn't even born yet, but I, I was probably wishing I was there. What a night. Uh, you come out of retirement. What did you see? How did you believe that you could beat the indestructible Marvin Hagler? You know, I, I, I just watched him. I watched him against Roberto Duran. And, and Dur Dur again, after that fight, Duran walked over to me and said, great. You told my dad that I'm going to fight. Uh, I'm coming back and I'm going to fight Hagler. And uh, I, I think my dad had like a quick pause or like maybe just saw a facial expression. And uh, and you were like, wait a second, Bob, you don't you don't think I can beat him? And my dad was just like, um, I, I didn't say that. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. But I mean, he's thinking what everyone was thinking at the time. I mean, five out of the seven ex middleweight champs picked Hagler. No one was expecting you to win. It's the fourth fight on your uh, Mount Rushmore that I made up for you, Ray. It's Marvin Hagler, April 1987. Doesn't get any bigger than this. I wasn't even born yet, but I, I was probably wishing I was there. What a night. Uh, you come out of retirement. What did you see? How did you believe that you could beat the indestructible Marvin Hagler? You know, I, I, I just watched him. I watched him against Roberto Duran. And, and Again, after that fight, Duran walked over to me and said, Ray, you box him, you beat him. And I'm like, okay, because I, I contemplated retirement, but Hagler was destroying people. He still was destroying people. And um, I, I don't know, I just felt that thing. And when he fought, I can't think of the, the guy's name he fought last. Mugabe? Mugabe, yeah, John the Beast Mugabe. That fight there, like, I can be, I have a better jab than him. I can, I'm faster than him. I can do it. And I swear, I, I, I choreographed the fight in my head. I actually choreographed the fight from the, from the, uh, the, the speaking and the uh, press conferences. I, I saw, I knew what I had to do. So a lot of times when the guys are, are fighting Hagler, they say, I'm gonna kick his ass, I'll beat his ass. I never said anything derogatory. So I never made him mad. And the last thing Hagler said at the last uh, press conference was, I'm gonna surprise all of you. I'm out box Ray. <laughs> I said, I got him. And that's exactly what, what took place in that ring. Yeah. He came out very timid, timid. He came out, he threw 16 punches in the first round. And you know, one of the cooler nuggets of our company at CompuBox uh, is you guys hiring uh, my dad and Logan Hobson, who was his uh, partner at the time, to kind of come up with a game plan, uh, you know, go over the numbers, give us a, 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 a scouting report on, on Marvin. And what we came up with uh, was the fact that he started slow. Uh, you know, he, he and not only did he start slow, he came out and boxed you, you know, orthodox, which was crazy. I mean, it goes that talk about something that's going to go down in the record books. It's like everyone knows this was a huge fight. And everyone knows that the first three or four rounds, you were clearly in his head because why, why did he give away those rounds? It just gave you so much momentum, gave you so much confidence, right? It gave me more than confidence. It gave me, yeah. It, in fact, it was confidence that he did because it gave me a chance to kind of settle down because I'm fighting marvelous Marvin Hagler. And then I remember 
after the first punch, I said, it still works. <laughs> no, it, a one jab, the one first jab, I hit him. Yeah. Hackler also believed, because I had a guy go to his training camp, he believed the first guy in the middle of the ring wins the fight. Wait, is that the guy that you uh, had like a mole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have his name. What was his name? My dad J. sent me Brown. it. J.D. Brown. Brown. Wait, you sent a mole into his camp? I sent him to, I sent, well, actually, it was only J.D. I sent J.D. to the camp one time. One time. And just to see what Hagler is mm -hmm. considering or thinking. How did you do that? Did he wear like a disguise or a disguise, but no one knew who he was anyway? No, I, I, I don't think, well, no, that JD was pretty well known, but um, I don't think he, I, I think JD brought a cap and some sunglasses. <laughs> These sunglasses and like the, and the mustache. Yeah, maybe, maybe the mustache. <laughs> so yeah, that fight, the ninth round, I feel like I posted it on Twitter and I got a huge response. There was a moment in that ninth round where, you know, he was starting to get the momentum back. Uh, he was starting to find you. Uh, maybe fatigue was setting in a little bit on your half, on your behalf. To you know, this you know, have been in the ring in a while, and he had you up against the the ropes, and he landed some really. He landed a left hand that probably you know would have dropped a lot of guys, and you ate it. But then he had you up in the corner, and you had it was a fight or flight moment. I thought for you, just like your whole life, pretty much, you flurried and you spun him around. He hit you again, and you flurried again, and the crowd went crazy, and the judges clearly saw it in your favor. That ninth round, that moment, that's forty seconds. I think will stand the test of time. What people don't know or didn't know that when I said yell 30 seconds because I will flurry and that's what the judges will see. The yeah. last thing the judges will see. It was kind of a psychological mm -hmm. fight, if you will. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was very psychological. I mean, that was the edge that you had, especially, you know, you've been through so much in your life at the, up until that point, maybe 30 years old, but you were... I wouldn't say you're an old 30 and you're a wise 30. So you needed that to beat Hagler that night. I mean, he was almost looked at as unbeatable. It's a, it's a fight that still to this day, even yeah. when I posted it on Twitter, right? People were arguing about who won. It's okay. It, it, you know, it was, a, it was a close fight. No question about that. Yeah. Uh, and you, you still know, think you won? No. You thought you lost? I, no, I, I thought I, I thought I, I did enough. Put it this way: If even if I didn't get the decision, I would have been okay with that. You with me? I yeah. mean, no one. I swear, no one. Get, not even people in my most people in my in my corner didn't think I could win. Even my my big brother Roger, who got me into boxing, didn't yeah. think I could win. Yeah, he, he found out from the news, right, that you were fighting Hagler. Yeah. He called you up. But then, but again, again, people knew that I was out there drinking, doing drinking, I was doing cocaine and everything. So a lot of my friends, sports guys and everything else, they said, no way, <laughs> rightfully so. But I cleaned my, the thing about it, I had discipline. I cleaned myself out for all, over a year. Right. Drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Yeah, it's not easy. It was a different time then too. The media was like more friendly with athletes, more friendly with fighters. If they knew something that you were up to no good, they didn't report it. So maybe that's why none of the media were picking you. Well, yeah, and and but they 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 majority of them did not say you know I saw Ray doing cocaine, or right? I saw him drunk, right? There was there was, a, there was a much more of a code back then. Yeah, that was respect. Mm -hmm. Speak of, talk about respect. Uh, you and Marvin. Um, obviously, he goes off. He never fights again. Tries to get a rematch. Just didn't didn't come to fruition. He moves to Italy. 
starts the second half of his life, becomes a movie star. I think it's the coolest thing ever. Him just never fighting again, just adds to his legacy. You, you know, you never really saw Marvin beat up. You only saw him, uh, you know, in close fights, uh, whether it was with you, uh, whether it was with Duran, whether it was with Mugabe, uh, you know, so Hearns. Uh, obviously, uh, he passed on last year. I still can't believe it. Um, it's crazy to think about it. I mean, it's crazy that I won't be able to get him on my show and, and talk to him about some of his glorious, glorious moments. Uh, the shock of it must have been just immense for you. My son, my little, my, my son, Ray, called me. He said, Pops, he said, uh, Marvin has that virus. I said, yeah, I wish him well. And then he called me back about half an hour, 40 minutes. He said, Pop, Pops, he's gone. I said, what do you mean he's gone? He's gone. He's dead. And I'm waiting for the punchline. I'm waiting for him to laugh. He never laughed. And that, that I said, are you serious, man? Are you, are you absolutely 100% sure? He said, well, not 100%. I said, check, check, check. And when I, when I heard that was true, I, I, you know, I shed a tear. I mean, I, you know, Marvin and I, I mean, Marvin, it was so tough for him to lose to anybody except me, mm -hmm. you know, because they all called me kind of white collar fighters, whatever that meant. Um, but things were, you know, like I was network made and, you know, but um, I don't know, man, I, it, it still bothered me, but I, but I, you know, I, I prayed that it's not true. But uh, when I first, when I heard, when I really heard the, the sadness, the sad thing about him going, leaving us. It, it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah. It almost felt like someone like him could never die. You know, he was just the prototype. Exactly. He was exactly. like the prototype, his body. He just looked like a fighter. He was so strong looking. That's why I loved him as a kid. I was just like, this guy is so strong. He's just like a, a man's man. Like he'll, he'll never die. I mean, like the same thing. I was shocked. I didn't believe it at first. But um, did you guys have, what was your guys' interaction? What was your last interaction with him? Did you, did you stay in touch with him at all? Well, um, unlike me and Tommy, you know, I, Tom, you know, we'd call each other, you know, every, every couple of weeks or month. And even Duran, I'll see Duran, you know, we hug and everything. But when I saw Marvin at these fights or whatever, we'll hug and we'll say, hey, man, how you doing? You know, how's family? Just, we, we, we were respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of respect between the four of you guys. You know, you guys are connected forever. So that when when he died, you know, it's, it's sad. It's like a part of you died. Part of Roberto Duran died. A part of Tommy Hearns died. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I, I was going, I was like, I said, guys, let's do a documentary, guys, or story, a movie, whatever. And I said, just, and I, I said, let's do it before we, we pass or we die, before we die. I was saying that, you know, out of kind of being funny. Uh, but this was some. This is years before this tragedy took place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Before you in a ring with a full crowd, it would be an oh. event. It would be a like a. It would be unbelievable. It would be sad. Maybe you bring up a movie. I mean, your life is a movie. Uh, who would you want to play you in the movie? Ooh. Yeah. You want to give? I'll give you my choice, Usher. I was going to say, no question about that. I mean, I was thinking about somebody else, but Usher is my man. Yeah, that's your guy, right? Usher is my man. I love Usher, man. He, he, did, he did a fantastic job. I said, I never did that. You <laughs> <laughs> could dance better. You were Usher. Yeah, but, we, but me and Usher, we, we worked out a couple of times. And uh, 
know, yeah. he, can, he can hold his own. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. Uh, I know someone told me that you, you're buddies with Jay-Z. Yes, yes. You know, Is he like, he likes boxing, right? Yeah. yeah. That'd be kind of cool to watch a fight with him. I saw him at Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and he was dressed to the nines. And there's a lot of, a lot of these guys love boxing. Why do you think that is, these, these stars, these actors? You know, man, it's 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 like it's like me. I mean, like golf. I love golf. And, you know, Tiger was out there. Yeah, Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love basketball. I mean, I, I love all these other sports too. It's right. just, it's just that that winning mentality. Yeah, there's a realness to boxing. You know, yeah. they're they're actors. They play fake things, but then they come to a fight and they see real. This is real. You know, this is a show. You know, you get all dressed up, you, you know, you, you wear your best suit to a fight. You watch these guys slug it out, do a fight, a sport that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, a sport that, uh, you know, you left your mark on it, man. Uh, and to be able to sit and talk to you about your career, man, it's epic for me. It's really special. And I know our fans will enjoy this. I've been saying this to Roy Jones. I said this to Brian Hopkins. Um, and this obviously pertains to, you know, Marvin Hagler too, passing on. It's like, we have to celebrate our sport, boxing, our living legends more. We have to give you your flowers while you can still smell them, you know, like NBA all-star game. They just did their 75 uh, year anniversary. That was such a great celebration, you know, past and present, mixing it up. Michael Jordan, you had, you know, Oscar Robinson, everyone around hugging, you know, and I just wish boxing had that, but I just wanted to say, uh, thank you for this, and thank you for everything you've, you've given the sport. Uh, you're a living legend, and you gave it all to, to the sport, and I think fans will uh, appreciate that forever. Well, you know what, Dan? I'm an optimist by nature. It's going to happen. It's going to be. We'll get out just due. Yes, you're right. I mean, you got your just due, but we want to see, yeah, one maybe one night we get all the legends back together in a ring around like a big Canelo fight, and you guys can just hear the, uh, the roar of the crowd and, and, and appreciate uh, what you mean for the sport and i know you know what you mean but just to hear it you know like just a little appreciation maybe for some of the other fighters too look forward to that all right ray thank you so much and uh enjoy the golf game all right Dan. thanks man wow what an interview with ray leonard and i just want to let you guys know that that interview was brought to you by ko tickets uh they're sponsoring our show now they're jim boone over there he's doing a wonderful job selling tickets since 1999 big fights coming up chocolatito uh virgil ortiz edgar belonga here in new york city katie taylor and amanda serrano go to uh, jim boone and ko tickets he's your guy you don't have to deal with some of these websites you don't have to deal with some of these apps you can call jim directly i've done it myself and gotten tickets to a big fight uh through jim it's 702 702- 591-1638. And the first 10 buyers to mention today's show with Sugar Ray Leonard inside Boxing Live will receive a free copy of Ring Magazine's November issue celebrating the 40-year anniversary of our boy Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns. That's KO Tickets. Dot com and that interview with Ray was also brought to you by the Two Beers Podcast. You got time for two beers, then you got time for the Two Beers Podcast. There's two regular guys talking about Regular things, guys like to talk about sports, movies, streaming, no hot takes, no clickbait. I've been on the show. I really enjoyed it. Just good, honest conversation like you have with your friends at the bar camping or at a barbecue. So grab two beers and come join the Two Brew Crew, Two Beers Podcast, the pod for the everyman.